Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. Guys, get your Bibles out. We're going to be in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And if you don't know where that is, it's after the Gospels, before some of the smaller epistles. And uh, it's, it's about halfway through the New Testament, per se. It's one of the bigger books in the New Testament. As you're turning there, we are going to do our quiz on the, live, on, on the, uh, on the, on the values that we have as a church here. We're gonna, we've done it every week so far, and we're going to get this until we can say it together. So what, our, what are our values? Oh, man, they're already up. All right, go ahead and cheat. Let's say them together. Christ-centered families, intimate communities of discipleship, radical hospitality, vibrant prayer, and cross-cultural mission. Y'all didn't know I had a mirror up here. I can see that. I'm just kidding. No, I can't. Yeah, so we got them right. Well done. Thank you. And today, we're going to be hitting on our final value, cross-cultural mission. It's the last one that we have in our five. It's actually a newer one. It's one that I added when I got here, uh, partly in, because this has been my passion. My wife and I, uh, when we graduated college uh, from Liberty with intercultural studies degrees, our desire was to go overseas. It was to go serve in missions cross-culturally. So we're talking about cross-cultural mission today. And, and let me go ahead and just say that if you have yet to be pushed out of your own safety bubble, if you have not yet been shoved out of your comfort zone with our conversations about radical hospitality and, 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 inter, and intimate communities of discipleship, trust me, today will be the day where you get that final shove outside of your comfort zone into things that might make you uncomfortable because we're talking about things that take us across cultural borders. Now with that, I want to go ahead and also clarify a few things. Today, we're not going to be talking about certain things, and we're obviously going to be talking about other things. Here's what we're not going to be talking about today. I'm going to mention what I'm not talking about by not talking about it, or by talking about it. First, I'm not going to be offering best practices and tips on cross-cultural ministry. That's not what we're doing today. So we're not going to talk about uh, strategies for understanding and engaging with the culture. We're not going to be talking about the ethnocentric tendencies that we carry with us going into a new culture that makes us believe that our culture is better than the ones that we're seeing and all the problems that can come with that. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to also talk about how to contextualize the gospel in cultures that, for example, say there's a culture that doesn't have sheep or lambs. So how do you talk about Jesus as the lamb of God? So we're not going to talk about that by talking about it. All of that would be helpful. All of that would prove helpful, and we'll talk about it one day. There's another thing that we're not going to do today, and and I think we're all agreed on this. We're not going to spend time parading before ourselves all the brokenness that we see in every culture. We're not going to spend time denigrating the cultural problems that we see today. There's no benefit in that in this conversation right now, though there could be a lot to choose from. The goal for today is to answer three main questions. What is cross-cultural mission? Why is it so valuable? And what is it gonna look like on the ground here at our church? What is it, why is it so valuable, and what's it gonna look like on the ground? So let's do the first part. Let's define what we mean by cross-cultural mission. We've had to do this every time. I don't like doing it this way. I'd rather go to God's text first and then draw out of it, but we have our values. We're gonna go to God's work with our values. So 
We're going to start with mission, the word mission. Can we say that together? One, two, three. Mission. mission. This lies at the root of everything here, so we're going to start with it as the root here. And let me clarify another part. I've heard it said a few times in the past few months, even in this morning. Uh, it is mission singular. There's not an S on the end of it. It's not cross-cultural missions. It's cross-cultural mission. And I want to put before you that there is a major difference between the two there. And, and even uh, missiologist George Peters says that we need to know the distinction between the two, missions and missions. So let's talk about missions in the plural form. Missions in the plural form means local church or local churches, a group of them, sending authorized persons to other cultures to evangelize and plant indigenous churches. So it's every effort that we're issuing. That's every missional effort that we have. Missions is pluralized with that. Pluralized with that. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. The next one is mission, singular. And that means the total biblical mandate of the big C Church of Christ. It's, it's, it's what we've been instilled with. It's the singular mission that we've been dubbed, we've been tasked with in our body as a local and global entity. In other words, missions, the plural, is one aspect of mission. It's under the umbrella of it. Now, looking at those definitions, wouldn't it make sense for us to have the plural form? Wouldn't it make sense for us to say cross-cultural missions instead of cross-cultural mission? Well, not when we understand mission. Not when we understand what the singular mission of the church is. Let's just do a quick exercise. When you think, or when you ask yourselves the question, uh, well, what is the mission of the church? What, what, are, what have we been commissioned to do? What, what comes to mind? Exactly. It's basically the verse that, that Paul read for us earlier. The great commission, which is what? Matthew 28, 18 or 19 through 20. This is Jesus. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So we've been commissioned, in a sense, with this mission. This sounds very similar to the things that you guys were saying. This sounds very similar to what our localized mission is, to what? Multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And yet we would obviously look at this and understand, yeah, that, that's a good commission. This is probably a good way to start. But, but we realize that this isn't all of the mission that the church, Big C Church, has been given or tasked with. The mission is a bit more comprehensive than this. And, and you can read all sorts of articles. There's, there was recently a huge debate on what the mission of the church is. And, and, and one of the most helpful articles that I read was by a guy named Kevin DeYoung, and he said, well, let's look through the book of Acts. Let's see what the early church did when they understood what their mission was. And they, they, he did that, and he, in, in a specific passage, he, he distilled it down into three main components, and that's these, new converts, new communities, and nurtured churches. You can kind of tell he has some Baptistic tendencies because of that alliteration, but new converts, new communities, and new nurtured churches. So, so our singular mission 
as the big C global church, universal church, is to preach the gospel to multiply disciples who live so radically in their following Jesus that it sets us apart from the culture around us enough to see us as a different community, enough to see us as a new community, a space on earth where the kingdom of God is manifested, if you can recall the first sermon that we had in this series on God's mission. So when we think of mission, we think of our localized mission, when we think of it as multiplying faithful followers of Jesus Christ, or or more comprehensively, multiplying new converts, new communities, and nurturing churches, that's our mission, and we are going to do it cross-culturally. Can we say that together? One, two, three. Cross-culturally. Now, this is, I spent a few times with some teachers this morning texting. My sister-in-laws are teachers, and my wife's an educator as well, and, and trying to figure out what kind of part of speech this is. I'd ask Kathy. I don't think she's here. She's an English professor, but, but it's an adjective, and it's a compound word. It's a compound adjective, and the word cross means to move across. It means to transgress across a certain border, and and that means that, that, that we're, we're going to take this mission across the boundaries of what? Cultures. We're going to take this gospel across those borders that we see that separate cultures. Now, let's define culture real quick because we're, we're there. Culture is the learned and shared attitudes, values, and behaviors of a people. So in one sense, you know how we talked about last week how the word community means people united by something shared in common? A community is often sharing a culture. There's a a cultural community that we have even in our own body, right? It's the learned and shared attitudes, values, and behaviors of a people. Let me give you an example, just uh, probably the most relevant one that I can think of right now. What does football in the United States mean? Nothing to me? Oh. Football in the United States is a sport that was American-made that tosses around a pigskin that's oblong-shaped, and, and it advances the ball. One team advances that ball into the end zone against another team, right? That's football in the United States. What is football everywhere else in the world? It's a football. It's what we call soccer. Okay? So there's some cultural differences there. We could start talking about uh, what, what, what is the U.S. standard measuring system? Where it, what is it everywhere else? Metric. Guys, we have our own culture because we're just, apparently Americans are snobs according to the rest of the world. Right? Let's get back to the football thing. Let's, let's, let's isolate America and let's go to the country of Brazil, right? Brazil is one of the, the most fascinating countries. It is, uh, they, are, they are sold out to the game of football, which I'll just reference as soccer because that's our culture. So, so not only are they different named in our culture from there, but But our football league is only found really where? In the U.S. Do we have have, uh, teams from Japan or teams from Russia coming over and playing our football teams? No. There are other leagues like the Canadian Football League. Some people would say that doesn't count. (laughs) But what happens when a team wins the Super Bowl? What title are they given? 
world champions. Have they played any other team from anywhere around the world? No. There's the American snobbery. Same thing in baseball, by the way. We have Major League Baseball League, and, and, and they only play American teams, but when they win the what? World Series, they, they're world champs. They play no other teams from around the world. That's our culture. Let's go to Brazil. Football, I'm going to, or soccer, in their culture, right, is a worldwide multinational tournament where the winners really have played teams from around the world and they're given the title of what? World champions, and they win the World Cup. When a team uh, for our football wins a game, the city celebrates. When a team from Brazil wins a football game, the whole country celebrates. They have streakers in their games of football. We do not, because you get jacked up if you do. Either way, there are very different cultures, even surrounding a single or two sports. So we're talking about culture here. We're taking our mission across those cultural differences. But why? What? Didn't Jesus say, make disciples of what? All nations? He didn't say cultures there. Why are we talking about cultures? Well, that's the thing. When we, when we read the word nations, we impose our own culture on it. And we think of what? America, Mexico, Canada, like all these political borders, but that's not the Greek word there. The Greek word is what Paul mentioned earlier. It's ethne. Can you say ethne? Ethne. And that's where we get words like ethnic, ethnos, ethnology. When the Jews heard that word, when the disciples heard that word, most likely they understood non-Jews. They understood it. Every other ethnicity that wasn't Jewish, they were to go make disciples of them. So, so Jesus wasn't simply commissioning us to cross political borders that were drawn up on maps by politicians years ago. No, it's, it's dealing more so with ethnicities. It's dealing with groups of people who share a common ethnic culture. We're talking about cultures here. So, so the concern of the Great Commission is not only with political units, but with cultural ones, ethnic ones. So, for example, somebody who's from Waynesboro, Virginia, can go overseas, or sorry, can go to the American Southwest and go minister to the Pima Indians, and they're just as much involved in cross-cultural mission as a Waynesboroian who goes to Chile and ministers to the Mapuche Indians there. This is, this is why Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. If we had a map uh, it would be very easy for me to show this to you, but let me describe it. Jerusalem was the capital city of, of the Jewish people. It's where they were now. So Jesus is telling, hey, go be witnesses to the people right around you. And he says, 
Judea. Judea is a region. It's not a city. It's a region that included cities like Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Emmaus. It included um, uh, Tars. Sorry, it included other cities that were Jewish cities as well. So he says, hey, go outside of your own city and go reach people, uh, testify about me to people who are like you, but in different areas. And then he says, go to Samaria. Now, Samaria is the one that did it the men. That was another region, right, that had a few popular cities in it as well. And it was a region just north of Judea. So Judea was here, Samaria is here. And it was full of people who were, and I'm not trying to be um, an ethnic denigrator here, they were Jewish half-breeds. What I mean by that is, centuries before Jesus' time, the Jews that lived in that region intermarried with uh, non-Jews, and they started having kids, and they, they denigrated the cultural ancestral line, and they started becoming uh, interracial. And that meant that to the Jews, they had, they had become less than. They had intentionally done what God had told them not to do. And, and they had, they, they, so they were, they were inhuman. They were second-class human beings, those Samaritans. And yet Jesus says, you're going to go to them. You're going to testify about me to them. Those people that you have been taught and told that they are subhuman, that they aren't even worth your attention. No, you're going to go tell them the good news, that they are valuable, that they are loved, that they can be saved, that they can be redeemed and brought into a relationship with God, just like you. You're going to go to them. Oh, and then, by the way, just go to the ends of the earth while you're at it. Jesus was commanding us to witness across not just simply political borders, but ethnic ones, cultural ones. And that's how we get cross-cultural missions. So can we say this together in agreement? One, two, three. Cross-cultural mission. Now when we think about this word, when we think about this value, we need to be in agreement as to what it means. So what we're going to do is we're going to take our mission and our cross-cultural definitions that we come up with this morning, we're going to shove them together in a definition as to what we mean when we say cross-cultural mission. And here it is. Cross-cultural mission is multiplying new converts, communities, and churches across cultural borders. It's pretty simple. Multiplying new converts, communities, and churches across cultural borders. Now, one thing that we all have to agree on in order for this to be a deeply shared and truly believed value among us is this truth that every culture needs Jesus. Every culture, American, Russian, no matter what, from east to west, every ethnic group needs Jesus just as severely as we do. And so this is where we get to Romans. I hope you haven't lost it. Mine's still open as well. Took us a little while to get there, but we're there. Because Romans is gonna show us not just simply what cross-cultural mission is, but 
but show us why it's so valuable, why it's so important and significant for us as a body of believers to take it so seriously. And, and let me just give you some context. We're going to dance in the context for a little longer than usual. We're in a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And, and in Romans 3, right? We don't have to go there. I'll have it up on the screen. But Paul brings up a discussion about some of the advantages that the Jews had that the rest of the world didn't. Like they had received the oracles of God. Like it's, it's an incredible thing. But then he goes and says this. What then? Are we, meaning the Jews, are we any better off? No, not at all. Why? Because we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks, in other words, Jews and Gentiles, Jews and non-Jews, every ethnicity, every culture, are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. Guys, that is one of the hardest passages for us to swallow, but we agree with it. Every person among every ethnic, cultural people group has turned away and we've made ourselves our own gods. We've decided that we're better at it than God himself. And we've missed the mark and we need a rescue from the destruction from, that comes with that. Every culture needs rescue. Guys, can't you see that today? Isn't it obvious? You, you don't have to look hard. You don't have to look long to see how broken the different cultures are around the world. No culture has it right. Every ethnic people group, every culture is crying out in their brokenness. In fact, every culture around the world is asking themselves the same five questions. According to Dutch theologian and missiologist J.H. Bavink, Bavink was a, a lifetime missionary. He spent his, his, his life on the mission field and and he observed that every culture that he encountered, they're asking five main questions that revolve around matters that he calls totality, totality norm, deliverance, destiny, and higher power. We're going to have them up. These are the questions that, that Bavink thinks and observed that every culture is asking. A question of totality. Is there a way to connect in other words, we, you and I can sense that our life is connected in some strange way to the rest of the world, to the rest of nature, but how do we connect? Question of norm. Is there a way to live? You and I have this subconscious uh, that, that warns us not to follow certain behaviors, certain desires, not to indulge certain ones and so we look out and we think, oh, there must be rules to obey. There must be a rules, a, a way to live. Every culture asks a question about deliverance. Is there a way out? We can all agree that we look out at the world and we see the brokenness. We see the destruction. We see the chaos. We see the disorder. And we can't help but wonder, is this really all there is? Is there a way to escape? Is there a way to get out of the brokenness? We dream of something better. Every culture also asks a question about destiny. This is that superstition, right? We, we, is there a way to control? 
Is there a way to take control of our destiny? Guys, we're active beings. We have our will. And yet, for some reason, you and I subtly believe that we're subject to like this strange fate that we want control of. Some strange destiny. Whenever you say something, something's going to happen. And then lastly, every culture is asking the questions of higher power. Is there a way beyond? In other words, every culture seems to understand that what we can see and feel and touch and observe in the physical sense, is that really all it is? Or is there a a reality behind the reality? Every culture asks that. In fact, guys, Joe Rogan, I don't know if you know that, he's one of the most famous podcasts. He was just talking about the existence of God just a few weeks ago. It's a popular conversation in every culture, in a variety of ways, offering a variety of answers to these questions. They're all asking these five things. Is there a way to connect? Is there a way to live? Is there a way to control? Is there a way out? Is there a way beyond? And what does our good news say? Yes. Absolutely. They're all answered in Jesus. Because Jesus brought the good news that there is a way to truly connect. There is a way to truly live. There is a way to, to the one who is in control. There is a way out of the brokenness. There is a way beyond into eternal life. Jesus said what? I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, no one can truly find the answers to these questions apart from Jesus. They cannot find rescue for their depravity, from their depravity, apart from Jesus, which is why we agree the world needs Jesus. We need Jesus, and every soul needs Jesus. And so the the catalyst for our mission, the thing that propels us in multiplying converts, communities, and churches across cultural borders is the proclamation of the gospel, which Paul says in Romans 1, 16, my favorite verse, the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe it. So that's the context. And now let's get to Romans chapter 10. We're in verse 8. On the contrary... What does it say? The message is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, (laughs) one believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness. And one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on Jesus will not be put to shame, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. Saved. Amen? Amen. As the gospel of Jesus saves. And all that's required of us is belief that expresses itself in good works and confession that Jesus is Lord. 
In other words, you don't have to belong to a certain ethnic group. You don't have to belong to the Jews. You don't have to be in a certain culture. In fact, that's exactly what verse 12 is saying. There's no distinction anymore between ethnic people groups as far as who can be the people of God. There's no distinction anymore. Every person can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. And one of the things that I think we need to clarify deeply right now is that this is not something new. This is not something that Jesus came up and corrected and changed. This is something that Jesus came down and clarified and confirmed. We can see this all throughout the Old Testament that God's heart has been for every ethnic people group, every nation. Think about it. It started with the Abrahamic covenant when God made his covenant to Abraham. He said what? And through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Nations wasn't political then. It was definitely ethnic. It actually more literally means families. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you, no matter their ethnic or ethnicity or culture. Psalm 67, one of my favorite psalms, literally is crying out that the Lord would, would cause his ways to be known on the earth and his salvation to be known among all the nations so that all people would praise God. We have Psalm 86, verse 9. It literally says, All the nations you have made will come and bow down before you, Lord, and honor your name. All the nations. We have Isaiah 49.6, where God declares that Israel is to be a light to the nations, a light for the nations, to take his salvation to the ends of the earth. And you know what's crazy? Jesus says, it's going to happen. In Matthew 24, this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to what? All nations, every ethne, and then the end will come. Every ethne, every culture, there's no distinction anymore. The Lord will richly bless all who call on him. No matter where they're from, no matter their ethnic background, whether they're Arabic, whether they're Kurdish, Kanuri, Benai, Slavic, Burundi, Nai, Kapu, Peruvian, Balak, Fulani, French, Canadian, Thai, Kabardian, Malay, no matter where they're from, Jesus says it doesn't matter. Every people, every tribe, every ethnic can receive the gospel and they can be saved only by faith in him. And here's why we believe cross-cultural mission is so vital, so valuable for our local body. Look at what happens next in verse 14. Paul just confirmed the gospel can go to every nation. It can go to every ethne. Verse 14, how then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how, they, how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach Unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Guys, there's a, there's a natural progression that comes here that Paul's exploring. If everyone has permission to come and call upon the name of the Lord and be saved, no matter their ethnicity, no matter their culture, no matter their background, 
How can they do that without first believing in Jesus in their hearts? The answer is they can't. They can't call on whom they do not believe in. They have to first believe. But then what's next? What's required? How can they believe upon Jesus without hearing about him? They can't. They can't believe upon Jesus without somebody telling them about Jesus, without them hearing it. They have to hear the, the words of the gospel about Jesus, which means they can't just see your good works. Guys, there's a, there's a quote that I've heard often, and, and not here, but I've just heard it often. It is, it's this. It says, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. That's poppycock. That's straight baloney. The gospel is a message that has to be preached. It's good news. You can't get good news unless I'm playing charades. If, if I'm going to do charades with you and try to communicate the gospel through that, that's fine. But me just being nice to somebody on the street doesn't communicate the gospel. Not in totality. No, no. We have to hear the good news in order for us to believe it. They have to hear it in order to believe it, and then they can call on Jesus. But then Paul says next what? He says, how can they hear the good news without someone preaching it? There you go. If, if, if no one is preaching the gospel to them, how can they hear it? How can they believe it then? And then how can they call upon him? Somebody has to be preaching it. And then finally he says, how will anyone preach unless they are sent? This is why cross-cultural mission is so important to us. We have to send people across cultural borders with the mission of preaching the gospel of Jesus or else the nations won't believe and will be found not following Jesus. Jesus himself said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We have been sent to preach the good news to the nations, to every ethne, to multiply new converts, communities, and churches so that they might believe and call upon him. I mean, besides, we don't have a lot of time to talk about, but Revelation 5 literally says that people from every tribe, language, nation, and tongue have been purchased by Jesus' blood. And we're sent to go deliver the good news. This is why we value cross-cultural mission. Multiplying new converts, communities, and churches across cultural borders. Now, that's all at 30,000 feet. What's it gonna look like when it lands here at our church? What's it gonna look like on the ground? Now, you and I also, we have to realize that when we talk about cross-cultural mission, when we talk about doing this, it's a 2D mission. It's not two-dimensional, it's two-directional. Two-directional. When, when, when we talk about cross-cultural mission, it means that we're sending our people, sending us in two directions. We're sending them generationally and geographically. We're sending... Uh, 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 proclaimers of the gospel across the cultural borders of generations. And we're also sending proclaimers of the gospel across geographical, cultural borders there. 
Let me explain this a little bit more. Let's first talk about the generational direction. You and I have to agree, I hope, that, that there really is a different culture across the generational divides, right? Is there not? Yeah. We would agree with that. So uh, I hope you might know where you fit. I'm a millennial, which apparently is a derogatory term these days, uh, <laughs> with how they've been treated. Be kind to us. Um, but we have, who, we have the baby boomers, right? You've got your baby boomers in here. You've got your Gen Xers, right? Baby boomers, Gen Xers. Let me ask you, did you, did you grow up spending hours behind a phone screen scrolling through TikTok Eating Tide Pod packets? No. No. Saying things like, that's lit, she ghosted me, or this song slaps? No. no. Hey, youth, youth, youth of today, millennials and younger, uh, did, did you grow up going to swing dances and getting up to turn the knob on the TV to change the channel? No. Youth, I'm saying 20 and below, 30 and below. What is that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Guys, there are cultural divides across generations. There really are. And the sooner we realize that, the more missional we become to reaching the next generations. And you know what the big question the younger generations are asking in our culture today? You know what the question they ask? How can I have meaning? How can I have purpose? That's the question they're asking. We have a gospel that answers that for them, don't we? So this is why part of our mission effort in this cross-cultural mission value is, is raising up individuals who are ministering and discipling the next generation with gospel truths that that's primarily what Ethan is, is overseeing and directing. Pastor Ethan is, is, is overseeing in our church. Family ministries, it, it, it's, it's aimed at that in our next-gen efforts. That's a big deal. I realize that the words I'm about to say might step on a few toes, and I apologize. I don't mean it to mean that way, but I hope you understand my heart when I say this. This is why we've started having newer songs being sung up here as well. It's why we're also having a dynamic worship time where we're singing hymns that are centuries year old and songs that have been written and published yesterday. It's because we are aiming at every generation in our worship. And I hope that we can agree with that. So can I just pause and say this, that when we're singing a hymn that, that we don't know, like Send the Light this morning, incredible gospel song, and that was my heart in prayer. First time I've ever heard it or sung it. And I knew that it was somebody else in here was going to deeply enjoy that we sang that song. And I said, yes, praise the Lord. Let them enjoy this and let me be encouraged by this. I also hope the same is true reverse, where the older generation, when we hear a new song being sung in our body that you don't know and aren't familiar with, and yes, the chorus might repeat the same words 50 times. <laughs> I hope you're agreeing and saying, man, I know somebody's gonna be ministered to by the song May they be blessed and encouraged, and may I be encouraged by the words here as well. Can it just go both ways, please? Because we're trying to go after the next generation. We're trying to serve every generation. 
And I'm telling you that if we as a church aren't proclaiming the gospel across the cultural divides in our generations, our church here will die as the generations die off. We're going to sing songs that are gospel-centered. We're going to do ministry that are gospel-centered, all to reach the next generation and serve the ones here as well. But we have to do the work across those generational divides in serving the cultures there. So not only do we need to think generationally, we need to think geographically as well. There's another direction there. Geographically. Now, <laughs> before you start hiding your wives and hiding your kids uh, and, 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 and saying, oh, the commissioner who's going to come send us to minister to the, uh, in the mountains of India is going to come, he's going to take care of that. Don't, just hear me out, okay? Just wait before you start leaping all the way that you're about to move to a, a people group you've never heard of. Just wait. There is a certain culture in Waynesboro that is different from the culture just over the mountain in Charlottesville. Is there not? There's also a different culture over in Stanton, right? Maybe even one in Harrisonburg. You know, there's a different culture in the house next door to you. Now, it might not be ethnic Division. It might not be based on their ethnicity. What we're thinking of is that specifically. What I'm getting at is we cannot hide away in our homes and in our city with our gospel when there are cultures right around us that are different from ours that Jesus has the answers to their questions. They, they are our Judea. They are our Samaria. Now concerning the ends of the earth, guys, I got to tell you, we have them coming to us. They are moving to the U.S. Millions of people in the U.S. are of different ethnicities. We have thousands of ethnic groups represented here. As where we are right now, even here in Waynesboro, cross-cultural mission is as much across the street as it is across the ocean. I don't know if you know this, Harrisonburg and Charlottesville are some of the top refugee resettlement cities in the nation. Virginia being one of the premier ones, apart from like California and Texas and New York. I'm not, I'm not here to debate immigration. I'm not here to debate refugee resettlement. We can talk about it a different day. All that we have is an opportunity in all of this. The nations are coming here. Uh, Harrisonburg in their school, in their high school, an article was written about it. They have, they have not only uh, some Americans, they have Afghanis, Iranis, Iraqis, Hondurians, Puerto Ricans, Syrians, Congolese, Jordanians. They're all just located 40 minutes north of here. Massive groups of ethnic people. As for us to reach across cultural borders with the gospel, it can even just take a 30-second walk to the person across the street who's ethnically different from you. And that doesn't mean that we come with a superior culture. It means we come with a gospel that can redeem every culture. 
So yeah, we're going to have short-term trips that we're calling go groups that are going to serve locally, regionally, and globally. But our mission, no matter where we go here, is going to take us both near and far geographically. It's going to take us across every generation. Because what I have in view for this, I believe Jesus has in view for this. And what I desperately long for us to be a part of in this is what we read about in heaven. Guys, we have a cross-cultural mission because we have a cross-cultural heaven. At the end of the age, we've read it time and time again this morning. Revelation 7, you heard it in all sorts of different languages. After this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude, where? From every nation, tribe, people, and language. You notice how their cultural differences weren't erased when they got to heaven. They were noticed and celebrated. Hmm. They're from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Oh, notice, they're all wearing the same clothing, clothed in the white robes, the righteousness of Jesus, with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Guys, if we follow Jesus, we're gonna end up among the nations because that's exactly where Jesus is going. And our radical hospitality ought to reach that far as well. So Paul mentioned a few things about how you can already be a part of this. Let me reiterate and add, start praying for specific people groups. There's a resource called joshuaproject.net. Goodness, go take a look at it. Joshua Project will list out all the different ethnic people groups around the world based on their country, where they're located, where you can find them. And they tell you how to pray for them. Go pray for different people groups. Uh, uh, Start committing to give to our missions fund here. Guys, we are supporting missionaries everywhere from Spain to Colombia. We've got it happening. Help us support them well. Most, most of all, start researching our community. Start researching our city here. Right? Go out into our city and start looking for centralized hubs of, of different ethnic groups and just go spend time with them. Learn from them. Start engaging with them. Guys, this can literally start right here, right now. Every nation calling on the name of Jesus. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.